0: good morning Uh, it's wonderful to be with you my name is ben gibson as troy said i'm normally at the 9am service Uh, it's wonderful to be with you let's pray as we get into god's word this morning lord god thank you for your grace thank you that by your son's death we are saved through faith thanks for your word thanks that it reveals uh, your truth to us pray that you'd be with us this morning as we hear from it help me to preach clearly to be faithful and by your spirit, would you change us, grow us to be more like your son. Amen. Amen. If we know that we're forgiven of all our sins, and if we know that God is going to forgive all our future sins, why would we not just sin constantly? That's a question that I've asked uh, before. It might be a question that you have asked before as well. Why would we not just sin constantly if the gospel is true? You may remember that a couple of weeks ago, we began our time in Romans 6. Phil kicked us off in this chapter and asked that question. And remember that he said, if you've been paying attention to Romans 1 to 5, this should be a very natural question to ask, right? Like if you've paid attention to Romans 1 to 5, you should be asking the question, hang on a second, is this not just a get out of jail free thing? Should we not just sin constantly? And we're going to hear a new answer, a new part of that answer today in the back half of Romans 6. We're gonna go through these three points. If you're a note-taking person, feel free to, to use those headings. They'll be, they'll be shown throughout the talk. The first, first part of Paul's answer to that is this. Sin was slavery, not freedom. Sin was slavery. But second point, we've got a new master. So who will you obey? That's Paul's response. Let's begin in, in verse 15. Verse 15, we'll go on to verse 16. What then? Should we, should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? See, what Paul's doing in that verse is these, he's pointing out an error that the question is making. The person who's asking that question is assuming that sin is freedom and coming under God's way, that's the restriction, right? And that's, that's a pretty common view of Christianity, right? Like you've got freedom, everyone's free, and Christianity is you submitting to a bunch of lifestyle regulations that restrict you and make you less cool and fun, Right? That's what Christianity is. It is submitting to lifestyle regulation. But Paul says, no, Christianity is freedom. But you see this idea uh, in, in, for example, Jack Johnson's lyrics. Now, Jack Johnson is objectively a cool, fun person. Look at him. He's pe- perpetually near a beach. Here's some lyrics from Jack Johnson. You might recognize this. I'm not going to sing it. He thinks that singing on Sunday is going to save his soul. He's talking about a Christian. He thinks that singing on Sunday is going to save his soul. Sometimes he thinks that he's on his way, but I can see that his brake lights are on. Isn't that an interesting way of describing Christianity? He sees Christianity as having the handbrake on as you're driving through life. Have you ever accidentally driven with your handbrake on? And, and you just your car, you feel like you're driving through hummus. And you're like, does my car have less pistons? I'm sure there were more pistons than this. And then you see that the brake light is on. That's what Jack Johnson thinks Christianity is. It is driving through the, the road of life with the handbrake on. What do you think about that? Is that how you see it? If you're not a Christian, is that how you see it? If you are a Christian... Is that how you see it? Paul turns this idea on its head in verse 16. He says, No, the one who still sins is the slave. The one who still sins is the slave. Don't you know that if you continue to sin, you're the slave? That's what he says in verse 16. It's worth asking yourself this question, What do you find yourself obeying? I've got a friend who was in church for a long time and called herself a Christian for a long time. She she walked away from God a number of years ago. I bumped into her uh, recently. Uh, She was exercising at the time, like it was a beautiful day, and we just got chatting about how she was going, and she, she mentioned that she was like really, really into exercise now. Uh, She would exercise, go to the gym like once or twice a day, sometimes add another sort of class or something in there as well. Like all power to her. I wish I was that disciplined. I'm not. Uh, I love Brie instead. Like we've all got our little thing, don't we? Uh, But she, it was interesting what she said. She showed me her Apple Watch. Must be nice. I don't have one. She showed me her Apple Watch and they've got these fitness rings. You know where the fitness rings are? Sort of activity trackers. So that, that ring in the picture there, your activity is monitored throughout the day. And it gives you a goal. And by doing activity throughout the day, it closes the ring. It's very satisfying. It shows you you've finished. And she said this to me. This, she actually said this to me. Do you see these rings right here? I'm ruled by these. That was, that, that was an amazing thing to hear. This is a non-Christian person. She was able to understand and articulate, I am ruled by these. She was able to see in her life that she was a slave, that she had a master. Now, why was she able to see that? Because she was offering herself to something and obeying it. Now, most modern people would never say something like that. We see ourselves as free. We would never... I don't think ever admit that to ourselves and certainly wouldn't articulate it to someone else, but she was able to. We see ourselves in the modern world as free, but I think that if we really, really looked, we would be able to see that there are things that we offer to ourselves, we offer ourselves to rather, as, uh, as things that we obey. What are some of those things that, that, that might be masters for us? What are the rings that we might be trying to close? Maybe it is a LinkedIn work history. Do you see this LinkedIn history? I am ruled by this. Do you see this bank account balance? I am ruled by this. Do you see this peer group, the opinions of this peer group, whether I am included by them, affirmed by them or not, I am ruled by them. Do you see this impulse towards anger in my life, the temptation to fly off the handle? I'm ruled by that. This desire for comfort that, that, that calls to me when, I'm, when, I'm, when I should be stepping into a God-given responsibility I have as a father, as a, as a husband, as whatever, right? As, as, a, as a church member, the desire for comfort, I'm ruled by that. What are the things that you might be obeying? We've all done this. We all are slaves. That's what this passage says. Every single person has been a rule-following slave. But there is good news for slaves like us, and that's our point too. We've got a new master. Read with me in verse 17 and onwards. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching that you were transferred to. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Okay, so we can't choose whether we're slaves or not. That's not a thing. You can't be free or slave. You are a slave, but God has redeemed us. He has freed us from our old slavery, and now we have a new master, him. We now follow God's way. We now follow God's pattern of teaching. That's what the verse says. We, we aren't saved by following that pattern of teaching. That's not what this is saying, but we are saved into that pattern of teaching. Right. That's what being a Christian is. It is following God as master. It is a new and beautiful freeing sort of slavery it's a very interesting idea look at verse 18 again you got this sort of paradox. it might seem like you're kind of out of the out of the flames and into the fire sort of thing verse 18 says you have been liberated freed redeemed from sin and you became enslaved to righteousness left one slavery and into another one but it is a freeing slavery it's not like your old master sin it is a freeing slavery i think this will make a little bit more sense to us if we keep a couple of things in mind uh, the first one is this the slave master thing is just an analogy right so look at verse 19 there paul says this i am using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh now this analogy is a helpful picture of the reality Right? We we do obey God as a master. But you've got to keep in mind the description of God as slave master is not the entire picture of how God of how the Bible describes God, nor our relationship with Him. Okay? God is also our Father, our Saviour, our shepherd, our husband. Right? You've got to keep all these things in mind, right? We don't start the Lord's Prayer, our Father, our, 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 our heavenly slave master right? We don't, you've got to keep in mind this is just an analogy. But it's also important to know just because it's an analogy doesn't mean that it doesn't represent truth, right? A wrong response is, oh, I get it. It means nothing. No, analogies help us understand truth. So let's think, what are some of the truths that this analogy is helping us understand? I think one of them is it helps us understand we obey God. That's what Christians do. That's what Christians try to do. We are saved to obey a pattern of teaching. Right? We aren't our own boss. We aren't, we aren't obeying our old master sin anymore. We try to live God's way. Right? A second element that is true of this analogy is that we genuinely have been freed from our old master sin. We were redeemed from sin. Now, you've got to, you've got to keep in mind here... We're not going to obey God perfectly, like like with this idea of being freed from sin. Every Christian will continue to struggle with sin their entire life, but sin is no longer our master. We do not need to obey sin anymore. I think Phil explained this really well in our first uh, first talk on Romans six, where he said you will still continue to sin, but being freed from sin means that you do not need to sin right now, in this particular instance, in this particular temptation. You do not need to anymore. Yes, you will still stumble. Yes, you will still struggle. But sin is no longer your master. That's what has happened. We have been liberated to a new freeing slavery. Secondly, I think that it's important to consider how our... How our new slavery is different from our old slavery. I've got a table if you're that kind of person. I'm that kind of person. Mind maps are bad for my my mental health. Um, how How is our new slavery different from our old one? Let's read verses 21 to 23, and then we'll have a bit of a think about this table. So verse 21. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? The end of those things is death. But now, since you have been liberated from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying something quite remarkable about slavery to sin here. He's not only saying that it leads to this later result, death and judgment. He's actually saying it is bad at the time. It's bad in the the near term. It's bad immediately. That's what he's trying to remind them of. What fruit were you getting at that time? What were you getting at sin? What was it offering you? your old master. What was it like being under that rule? Just, I just want you to think, for any of you who, by God's grace, have grown in some area in your life, not perfectly, I'm not saying you're sinlessly perfect now, but by God's grace, you can look back and go, man, by God's spirit, he's actually done a work in me and I'm actually a little bit further along in this area than I was. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you just, by God's grace, you are not the person you were 10 years ago with anger. right? Maybe you have more self-control. Maybe it's purity. Maybe it's porn stuff. You are more free of that than you were. Maybe it's gentleness. You just don't have to insist on your opinion all the time like you once did. Maybe it's generosity, maybe you're just less close-handed on all your stuff than you were. Maybe it's prayerfulness. Maybe God has worked in you that you are better at casting your anxieties on Him. It's just for any of you who can see that, do you look back 10 years ago and go, "Man, you know what was great when I did fly off the handle pe- people more?" Right? Seriously. Right? Like, Are you looking back at that time and going, man, that was life, right? Man, what about when I was more addicted to porn than, than, than I am? Man, that was just great for my marriage. I felt great after that every time. That was awesome. That was living. The, the emptiness, the shame, that was it, right? What about my, my constant anxiety about finance back then? That was living. That was great. What about my lack of prayerfulness, my inability to throw anything before God, my insistence to do everything by my own strength? That was living. Paul says that was slavery. What fruits did you get at that time? Why would you go back to that old master, especially when you consider what following the new one is like? Obeying him leads to growth, to sanctification, to freedom. It's a path that ends in eternal life. Not because we earned that. We're on that path because of God's grace. It's a path that ends with eternal life. It'll be be worth it alone for that. There could be anything along that path, and the eternal life thing would make it worth it. But we grow in sanctification. We grow in a a felt reality of freedom by being on that path. It's an amazing thing. We are incrementally more free as we go along that path. We are sanctified. It's worth comparing as well that another difference between these two paths is The path of slavery to sin, we deserve to be on that one, and the result we deserve as well. What does verse 23 say? The wages of sin is death. You deserve wages. You deserve wages. The gift that we get, eternal life by Jesus' death, and the freedom we get along the way, that's a gift. We don't deserve that. That is by God's grace. Slavery to Jesus is a freeing slavery. So just as we finish, I just want to leave you with a few things to consider. The first is this. Don't misremember Egypt. You might sort of go, man, I must have, I must have lost uh, my, my attention span. I don't remember Egypt coming up before. It hasn't. Just think back when the Israelites were freed by Moses, they have some very interesting things to say once they're in the desert. When the Israelites are with Moses in the desert and he has freed them because God is faithful to his promises, they say things like this to Moses Exodus 14 and 16. Have a read. Did we not sit around in Egypt with pots of meat? Didn't we have more food than we could ever need there? Is that what Egypt was like? Didn't we say to us when you rocked up trying to save us, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Is that what they said? They have misremembered slavery as freedom. There is something in us That that can do that. We misremember Egypt. Verse 21 says, What fruit did you receive at that time? Don't misremember. Secondly, don't go back to your old boss. I want you to think back to your first job. Mine was at a chemist. Maybe for you it was McDonald's. Who knows? If your old boss called you now and was like, mate, we are slammed, Sharky's just won, the drive-through is chockers, we need you here now, you're just going to put on your Macca's hat and drive? Of course you're not. They're your old boss. They're your old boss. You don't need to obey them anymore. You are obeying your old master when you sin. Yeah, we still will, but that's not who we are and it's not the status that we have. We are going back to an old master. And finally, we can obey the master who gives you life. I'll just finish with this question. It'll test whether you really believe Romans 6. If you could know the exact moment when you were going to die, would you become a Christian just before it? You only put your handbrake on at the last second. You get to live all of your life how you want. And then you become a Christian and you go to heaven. Would you? I know someone who's in a position like that, right? They became a Christian in their 80s after living a life that I'll just say didn't have a lot of handbrake on. Okay? And you know what that person says? I wish I had known God all my life. Didn't we see some, some of that from, from the way Gary was speaking as well? I wish I had known God all my life because I have been obeying rings. I have been obeying slave masters. And this person, they're so thankful. They, they see that result. That they see that eternal life. And they've, they're growing even in their 80s. And they're so thankful for that, but they wish they knew God when they they were younger because they know now to be true what Romans 6 says. Christianity is a freeing slavery. You can obey a master who gives you life. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful uh, that you have given us life, that we are not saved by our ability to follow your pattern of teaching, but we are saved to it. We are freed from our old masters. We are freed from our old, uh, our old rules, from our old patterns, and we are instead given a path that leads to life, God. Help us not to misremember Egypt's, misremember sin, misremember the fruit that we received at the time. Help us instead to obey you. We won't do it perfectly, God. We, we ask for your forgiveness for your help when we don't but we want to obey you as our true new master because your way leads to freedom. Amen.